All right, uh, Sham here sitting in for Shah's for light breakfast. We are doing light front page right now. And this morning we have Siti Farhana, host and producer of The Society with Farhana and also KK Tan, corporate and political strategist and CEO of Social Enterprise Asian Heritage Museum. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, Fine, good. great. Thanks. Awesome, <laughs> we're awesome. All right, so well, we're going to get into uh, you know how loans are meant to be paid and PTPTN have done their best to try and get the loans worth about $6.3 altogether, but still they are engaging the public now so we're going to ask Farhana first how can we get defaulters to get their loans paid? I think um, getting someone to pay their loan is like the age-old question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since they owe the government so much and I feel like forcing them to pay has been like the government strategy for quite a while already and it doesn't really get them the result that they need. I think other than crack down on defaulters, we can probably do something on our end as well. So probably lessen bureaucratic process and, you know, filling up forms or clearer instruction for those who are paying. Also, maybe look into other reasons why they won't or can't pay their PTPTN loan. Yes, some do prefer to go to vacations or, you know, buy iPhones, but some are really jobless and don't have enough savings to pay. So I think this needs to be looked into as well. What, what do you think, Kekita? Just to add on to what Fahana said, it's an age problem but I think it is also a very difficult problem because I think the key lies on how the government can be fair to people who really cannot pay we cannot force them then you'll go and borrow from our loans and then we're going to have another social problem more serious social problem that's true and those who can't pay but don't want to pay are irresponsible I think there has to be some kind of a means test to determine the ability of this uh, borrowers to pay but I think that will increase the bureaucratic process that is an issue here right. I mean you cannot like gloss over and say you know have a general rule for all I think that the key is how to for government has to be fair and just and that part I think is the most difficult part because you are involving so many people yeah, yeah. yeah. so there has to be some kind of a means test where assessors can determine whether this person can really pay because I feel that filling up the forms a lot of people can just lie about it yeah you can't really verify it. So you need a kind of means test. I think that to me, is no shortcut. If you want to ensure right. justice, you have to come up with a very effective means test. And they've, they've, the yeah. has got a huge task ahead of them. Oh my yeah. God, you can't, I, I can't emphasize on how huge the task is. But okay, now, now what they want to do is engage the public on how defaulters should pay back. In your opinion, is there a need for the public to decide how defaulters should pay back? I mean, or should they just make a strict stand on possible consequences? KK. I mean, the public, now we are talking about it, you know. I think beyond that, it's quite a specialised area. It can be quite technical. I think that all the public can say is to, en to ensure there's fairness as all. Well. You know, what I'm saying now is as a member of the public. Right. I think beyond that, the public shouldn't get involved because it's too complicated. Yeah, and it involves privacy as well. Mm. Assessment. It's like tracking down people who don't pay income tax, like, you know. Yeah. So it's something which is quite sensitive, quite confidential. We can come up with the ideas, but I think the public should not get involved except expressing objective, that's all, right. how it should be settled. And okay. I think all the members of the public should agree with me that as long as we're fair. Okay. And uh, after this, we're going to get into World Bank Keeps Malaysia's 2019 GDP outlook at 4.7%. We'll get into that in a bit with KK Tan and Farhana. Hang on. Light. Sham sitting in for Shaz this morning and with me on the light front page is Siti Farhana and also KK Tan and uh, so World Bank keeps Malaysia's 2019 GDP outlook at 4.7% is this good? is this bad? I mean what does this mean for Malaysia? KK last year in 2018 I understand was also 4.7% the year before was 5.9% but I think you can't just judge 
the economic growth or the government's performance purely by this growth rate because it's very, very macro. I mean, a simple answer is if you have, I have one chicken, you have zero chicken average if you have both half. So it doesn't show the internal disparity or whether it's an even growth or uneven growth. The figure by itself is just look at a very macro level, whether we are doing okay or not. Right. And you must remember that there are two factors that uh, drive this growth. One is there is external factors, which is very much out of control. Oil prices, equities market, interest rates, things which is completely out of control. And the other one, which is more under our control, are internal factors. Right. Yeah, which is what kind of policies the government, like which area industry should they promote. So I think as a indicator, all you want to know is whether we are doing okay, we are better than last year or doing less, but there must be reasons for it. Yeah. yeah. If you are, this year is going to be 4.5, last year is 4.7, we can't just start pointing fingers, you know, the government is doing a bad job. We have to look at the reasons for it. Right. Okay. But, uh, well, I mean, well, b- people are always still looking at GDP, mm. however. So, where should our GDP be to be healthy, Farhana? It was said that by 2020, the World Bank, that Malaysia's economy is projected to expand at 4.6. And by 2024, we are expected to become a high-income country already. So, but then again, I've always believed that a growth between 4% to 6% is already a sturdy growth path for, uh, you know, a challenging environment economy in Malaysia. But because they are still, we are still a developing nation, so that's one. No countries such as Japan or Russia are having growth rate at 1% or 2%. Oh, okay. So, and then... Um, I agree with Mr. KK. We should not just we shouldn't be so fixed to the numbers as well because there's a lot of other factors as well, such as you know there's other index as well like human development index or multidimensional poverty index. You know we should be looking at other societal issues and you know problems with the B40s or the youth unemployment and all that as well. So we shouldn't be too fixed to the number. Right, got it. And KK, I think to develop what is considered a healthy economy, what the government can do is focus on areas that we are really strong in our assets and also which can be strategic that means it can create a significant impact on society as a whole and when I talk about our assets Malaysia has really many assets rather than try to invest money again into a new area to develop our strength unless we get somebody else to develop that then it's going to be a lot costly for our government I don't think the government should get involved in investment the job of the government is to identify promote and regulate right. those areas that they want to promote. Okay, so we were just talking about GDP. Uh, we're getting a lot of suggestions here from KK Tan and also Farhana in, in this as well. Uh, because, uh, in other words, look, yeah, all right, we'll look at GDP, but there are so yeah. many other areas yes, to look definitely. into as well. After this, with uh, Farhana and also KK Tan, we'll be talking about Defence Minister saying tech-savvy soldiers needed in war on cyber attacks. Hang on for that at light. All right, still on the light front page with us is Siti Farhana, host and producer of The Society with Farhana, and KK Tan, corporate and political strategist and CEO of Social Enterprise Asian Heritage Museum. So, uh, Defence Minister has said, tech-savvy soldiers needed in war on cyber attacks. I've never thought any Defence Minister in Malaysia will be saying things like this, but well, we are living uh, where technological advancement is kind of like huge right now in our country, but... Is it the responsibility of the Defence Ministry to fight cybercrime, KK? Well, first, I think we need to understand what is a cyber attack, especially the worst kind is what you call a terror. Now they use the term cyber terrorism. There are three levels of cyber security. One is at the individual level. The other one is at a commercial level, including commercial espionage. And the third, the most dangerous type, is a national security level. Okay. And when you say about cyber attack, you're talking basically about hacking. And there are two types of hacking. One is to steal information, sensitive information. The other one, much more dangerous, is to cause massive destruction 
I think a lot of members of the public and also uh, including government people don't understand because it comes across as too technical so they don't want to know. Right. But I think we need to understand the big picture. I'm not an IT expert, but I think we understand the big picture of the dangers and the, and the implications if we don't address this seriously, especially at the national security level. Okay, and well, since you said it that way, then because at more higher and more serious yeah, level, definitely defence minister. National security. Yes. It is national security uh, too, but uh, how, how vital is it for us to focus on equipping ourselves with uh, cyber crime defense. I think just to sort of tone it down a little bit to sort of more relatable, you know, everyday people. Right. Yes, it is very vital for us to be aware that cyber crime does exist and we can easily be the subject of them because, I mean, it's all around us. Literally, everyone uses the internet today, especially children. And the fact that it is so accessible to everyone makes it even scarier, I feel. I mean, we are not in the era of phishing emails anymore. There are young kids being recruited into terrorist group and, you know, old men spreading child pornography. So, yes, it is vital for everyone, especially parents, I feel, to monitor yeah, and so all the cybercrime activities. Okay, so it's, it's across the board, social, defense, everything. Needs everything, to be, yes, yeah, everything. Responsible. But I think we need to be uh, able to strike a level that we don't get the wrong guys. Yeah. So we shouldn't use that as an excuse in some countries to clamp down on freedom of expression in terms of the internet and social media. Right. I think this is where the experts will know how to identify that. Mm. Whether it's a cyber security issue or is it someone who is just, you know, expressing a different point of view yeah. from the authorities. And I think they should be allowed to do that. And they should not be clamped down on a matter of cyber security. Because sometimes, especially in other countries which are very repressive, they use cyber security to clamp down on anything. Yeah. On freedom and democracy. It should be a level of censorship, yep. but also right. especially on the social media. Well. Yeah. I think we had to yeah. strike that kind of balance okay. and draw the line clearly. All right. So after this with Fahana and KK Tan, going into well, some sort of like security as well, but more on biometric screening of all foreign workers in Malaysia by year end. Uh Fememar Chief says about this. We're gonna discuss that after this at light. All right, on the light front page still with me is KK Tan and uh, Farhana. Of course, the uh, Fomema chief has just said about biometric screening of all foreign workers in Malaysia by year end. What do you think? Is this is a bit of an over-ambitious goal, Farhana? No, I don't think it's an over-ambitious goal. I mean, considering that Fomema has been around for a while now, the system has even gone through many shortcoming years before. It was last reported that, you know, there were unscrupulous actions from clinics under the, for- under the Fomema panel and there's also, you know, false identity so a biometric system is a call for upgrade basically for this system and it's the kind of enforcement we need in order to avoid false identities among foreign workers and it should be welcome and I think Malaysia has always been plagued with issues of immigrants illegal immigrants foreign workers and there hasn't really been any proper enforcement to deal with these issues so this is a step in the right direction I feel Alright and KK? Well I'm certainly in favour of anything that weeds out corruption and dishonesty Right. that's fair enough I think but I think on this issue of foreign workers we have to look at the big picture and not be seen that we are targeting the good foreign workers because Malaysia developed a lot over the last 20 years because of the contribution of foreign workers. I'm talking about the legal foreign workers yeah. plus the legal refugees now which I think the government is allowing them to work. I think we have to be fair and honest to them and not seen to be targeting them as scapegoats whenever we face problems. I think every country faces the problem of xenophobia. The fear of foreigners coming to swarm your country and to take your jobs. Yes. And I think we have to be careful with that. Not to fall into that trap. Yeah. That while we are targeting all this dishonesty, 
we are not targeting the good foreign workers whom we need. We are playing a very important role for our development because our own guys won't do all the dirty jobs, mm. whether it's a plantation or in the construction industry or in the in the domestic household industry. We need the foreign workers here, and I think we want to be fair to them. We must stress that when we are weeding out all this nonsense, we must respect and support and appreciate the role of foreign workers. I'm talking yes. the legalized ones in this country. All right, so that, that's more on how we as yeah. human beings treat should, people. Should, yeah, should look at people. You know what I mean? But at yeah. the same time, when it comes to security, I mean, or other things, what is the main purpose of uh, having this biometric system anyway? Is it to cut imposters yeah, yeah. or ensure integrity at the clinic? It's a little bit of both, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's both. I think any kind of system, whether it's on foreign workers or local workers, we support yeah. anything that which is promoting integrity. I mean, that's obvious, yeah? Yeah. It's but we shouldn't discriminate against one group or another. All right. Mm. Yeah, integrity should apply across the board for right. everyone. Yeah, this is, there's no such thing, oh, because you're yeah. from this particular yeah, yeah, country, yeah, yeah. you came in here, we're going to treat you differently but of in course, security. But yeah, security. The foreign security. workers, because they are from foreign country, we are concerned about their health issue. Yeah. Yes. They bring in dangerous uh, viruses or germs. we got to look yeah. into that So of course, well. there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, security as long as we do it, we do it properly yes. with integrity. All right. Yeah, yeah well, it's not just security yeah. as in a threat to the yeah, national yeah. security. It's more yeah. health issues as well. Yeah, yeah. You're talking yes. about. All right. So got it. And government has sent back illegal plastic waste to country of origin. This is something quite new to our country and it's very very interesting someone's looking like a hero as well we'll get into that after this at light Sham sitting in for Shah's right now and on the light front page this morning again Siti Fahana and KK Tan with us so we have been taking a lot of plastic waste from other countries it comes to some of us as a surprise and government to send back illegal plastic waste to country of origin. And KK, what, what does the uh, Basel Convention do with this one? Well, basically, the Basel Convention is an international treaty, which we also remember, to regulate the movement of hazardous waste across borders. So how could, could they do anything about this one? Or? Of course, of course. I mean, it's up to every country to implement it. And I think the thing about this aspect of environment is the term called NIMBY, not in my backyard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as long as I don't Environment see is come yeah. across as a very selfish thing to most countries. You can do it elsewhere, it's fine, but not in my backyard. All right. Yeah. Mm. And I think when it comes, especially when it comes to waste, and this issue all crop up because China last year stopped yeah. the import of all this plastic waste. And countries like Australia, which was promoting recycling, were literally lying to their own people that a lot of their plastic waste were recycled, but it was not. They couldn't cope, so they just export it overseas. Yeah. The next one I wanted to get into is how much yeah. developments has there been since the issue of uh, these dumping grounds came about? This is quite new to a lot of us, Fahana, but it came to like, oh my God, we're taking their yes, trash? Yes, exactly. I mean, it was coined in the straits time that Malaysia, where country sends its trash. <laughs> That's so, yes. not a nice name. Yes. So actually, this is a very interesting topic for me because my latest episode on the Society we find that actually deals with plastic waste this week. So I actually visited Denjaro where the plastic problem first popped out. So I met up with residents and members of Greenpeace um, for the show essentially. So two things in terms of development um, and also points to take back. So I commend the government for basically shutting down all these factories but there's not enough punishment being put out out there. It's not severe punishment and there's not enough crackdown I feel because these operators even though some of them are being shut down already they're just shifting states. Like, they're not scared and they're just operating in other states. Kedah right now, for example, is facing a huge problem with operators still burning plastic still. Like, just a couple weeks back, we have a factory burned because of some mishap. So, and in regards to them leaving this residue after it's being burned. So, I was in Jinjarum, like I said, underground. This plastic waste that's being burned, it's underground with nobody to take them away or do something about it. And this plastic, when I visited, it was 7 meters deep. 
And it was like PVC. It's not sand or anything. And the smell is still there. When you're burning it. Yes. yes. It's a toxic kind of smell. You're, yes, you're yes, exactly. I mean, I was there when it was just residue and there was still smell. So, and there's residents living just a few meters away. And when I was there and I talked to the residents, they said like, we, we were sick for days. And kids are not are not able to go to school. And, you know, hospital bills are piling up. And it's, it's just crazy. Don't even talk about the air there. Like, I was there and it was very hazy and... It was just horrible. And I think if you want to take in terms of what we can do as a society, first, Malaysia shouldn't be importing waste, importing other people's plastic waste because we ourselves already have a problem with plastic waste here. I mean, we don't have a proper waste segregation system. That's for one. All of us, we just throw our waste without even considering, okay, whether this is clean plastic, whether this is dirty plastic, where should we put it? And then other than that, to solve the world's plastic problem or to solve Malaysia's plastic problem, we should first consider to reduce our plastic. Recycling should be the last option because if I can talk statistics here, globally, only 9% of the plastic waste is recycled. So meaning about 80% of it is in natural environment or being discarded. People don't realize that it's because of air pollution. It's because the air that we breathe in. And it's long term. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's because it's something that we do every day without realizing exactly. it's a normal thing to do to breathe. Yes, yes oh my God. exactly. You know, definitely a serious issue to be considered and hopefully something good will come out of this. Enforcing illegal factories as well. Thank you, Fahana and Keketan, for your opinions on the light front page.